This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing COVID-19 recovery and strategies for working under current workplace laws. We'll look at what rights and obligations employers have in relation to determining how and where work is performed. What should employers look out for in adopting hybrid working models? What other considerations apply to an employer's approach? This podcast is provided with the support of the Commonwealth Government, represented by the Fair Work Ombudsman. Leading the discussion is AI Group's National Manager, Workplace Relations Policy, Nicola Street. Hi, Nicola. Hi, Tony. Hi. And I'm Tony Melville, AI Group's Head of Corporate Affairs. So over a very short time frame, we've seen a large number of employers move to remote working arrangements for employees in response to COVID-19. Much of this has been done in response to work health and safety, to limit the outbreak of COVID and the workforce in the workforce and to comply with relevant public health orders. For many businesses, this rapid shift tested the strength of IT systems, as we've all seen, and forced a different way of working from remote locations, usually people's homes, and things like podcasts, more of these than we've ever had before. While remote working for many had had teething problems and didn't deliver as effectively on unplanned collaboration and or made certain roles difficult or less productive, it delivered for many businesses a new way of working that will be enduring what we're seeing now is the emergence of a hybrid workforce with different employees working exclusively from one location or another, whether that's their home or more commonly employers performing their work in different locations throughout the working week, as we do here. So um, how do we determine how they manage where work is performed, whether they're, they're here or in any state in Australia? And it's all this is very important for employers to get across. So... An important issue to stress here, this podcast does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied on as such, but rather discusses some general issues and base principle for employers to consider as part of their workforce planning. So to kick off the discussion, Nicola, um, just speaking in general, can an employer determine where work is performed? Yes, speaking very generally, Tony, um, the answer is that an employer can generally determine the location of work. However, that is uh, context-dependent and also subject to an employer complying with its legal obligations, such as under workplace laws, modern awards, enterprise agreements, and, of course, work health and safety legislation. So as a general proposition, it may be helpful to think, you know, if you're an employer, that that there is generally a right to determine a place of work, particularly uh, if you're looking at um, the context of offering someone's employment, you would generally expect that you would identify where that employment is to take place. And you're seeing a lot of employers saying to their workers, go back to the office? We are seeing some signs of that and it's being approached in very different ways, Tony. So what um, I serve you that we have is that if you're an employer um, and you want to direct employees to return to the office, um, whilst there might be that general um principle that an employer can uh, ask employees to return to their usual place at work, particularly if you've got something in an employment contract which identifies that place of work, uh, or some contracts also say an employer can can direct an employee to work at different locations. Um, that's something that an employer could rely upon, but uh, employers need to be mindful about other obligations, and um, particularly when it comes to work health and safety, Uh, We just uh, have witnessed this morning uh, that there's a a further lockdown in in Victoria, so public health orders is obviously something that would need to be complied with. 
So um, the reminder for employers is to to look at your other obligations because it's not a definitive right that you have to direct employees to return to the workplace. And indeed, if you've got any other you know, arrangements you've entered into under you know, flexible work arrangements, particularly those under the Fair Work Act, they would also have some relevance too. But there won't be a lot of impact on contracts because most contracts will have where you work in them, but it won't. Will it necessarily say you need to work at the office or will it say you have to work in Sydney? Should people be looking at the contracts? Yeah, it does depend. It's a good question, Tony. And I think this is this issue is actually forcing a lot of employers to look at how they have drafted their contracts and what they may say in the future or even on an interim, uh, a long-term interim basis. But um, identifying what, what does your contract say if, if you've actually identified that the employer or employee is to work at a particular address, you know, in, in um, a CBD somewhere um, or just identifies a town, then that's something that that you would need to have some regard to in, in your direction. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, that direction is not without qualification. So um, it is still subject to, to legal obligations that an employer would have elsewhere. Are there any issues if your contract is silent on where you work? Yes, well this, and I should say not everyone has written employment contracts um, or um, no, some contracts don't say anything about where work is to be performed. In those cases, an employer could make a you know, reasonable and lawful direction to an employee to attend a work location. Um, what is reasonable and lawful is a case-by-case -case assessment. Again, we're looking at things like work health and safety requirements and concerns, um, so employee preferences potentially, why the employee needs to be at a particular location um, beyond just sort of mere convenience, what is it about the, the work that needs to be performed at that location and is the work tied to that location, for example. So it's um, for those companies that don't have employment contracts, um, it is more of a, an uncertain case-by-case -case process in, in being able to direct employees to attend the usual place of work. And it's important to talk to the workforce, encourage and seek agreement. Absolutely, Tony. Where we've seen companies uh, achieve an outcome that they're you know, happy with is where there's been a consultative approach, uh, a transparent approach, and one that hasn't uh, that's been had some logic to it. So, if if an employer has required employees to attend work, why? Being clear, well, what what is the reason? And it doesn't necessarily have to be an occupational lines where you might have a person who does this job must be at work. That's obviously would be the case for certain roles and certain businesses, but we're seeing employers look at a hybrid model in the sense of um, what tasks could be performed at the office that would enhance collaboration, enhance peer-to-peer you know, -peer networking, innovation, uh, things that may in fact be more difficult to do remotely. Um, so putting forward the case like that, getting employee preferences, hearing their concerns and constructing even a, a transitional plan to return to work rather than an overnight you know, deadline or we want everyone back at work from 9am on Monday. Um, that approach um, I, we don't think would be as successful or as effective as a, a more consultative approach. Well, during this period now that the um, pandemic has been well over a year, there have been people coming and going and what about new employees? Can an employer who's embraced the remote working environment determine that new employees must remote work remotely? Yes, we have seen some companies come out and say, look, we're, we're, we're done with the office. We, we are working on a 100% remote working arrangement. 
Um, and look, that's, you know, that that's fine. If that suits that particular business, they've obviously gone through the planning and the issues and thought about um, their approach. Um, the answer is really an employer can determine um, where uh, and employees perform work, including at that employee, employees' you know, private residence or re all remotely. There doesn't have to be a place of work or designated office. Um, however, um, an employer would need to bear in mind that a workplace can include a person's private residence. So if you've actually um, allowing or directing someone to work from home, um, is that workplace and is that private residence safe? Um, work health and safety extends to, to those workplaces. And indeed, there might be some other restrictions in the enterprise agreements or modern awards you'd need to factor into about whether or not they specify other locations. A big issue, Tony, that comes up in remote work is how do we address the issue of, of compensation for different expenses or you know, different working conditions um, that may not have previously been anticipated. Um, and so we are seeing signs of some employers look at you know, different forms of allowances. Uh, indeed, there are some modern awards that prescribe allowances for remote working. Uh, something that there's no sort of hard and fast answer for unless there is a legal obligation. But something to bear in mind for employers is to think about the equity and the inclusion aspects of, of how you manage employees working remotely and particularly if you've got some still in the office working in the office physically. I can imagine a situation where you have some people physically in the office and some remote and they're both at exactly the same level and one is paid and they're both paid exactly the same but the one at home is benefiting because they're not taking public transport they're not uh, but, but they I guess the counterside of that is that they're paying for electricity that they probably would anyway and it might be minor or they have to maybe upgrade their internet. Yeah well that's right and it, it's it's you know um, is the employee worse off working from home when you take a more holistic view as to what their expenses may be, cutting out um, public transport but incurring some um, home office costs? So these things would need to be factored into workforce planning and, and certainly if a business who are operating a, a hybrid model, um, it's something that, that needs some attention. Um, but I do stress it is really challenging for employers at the moment because we are in a um, I guess, an interim period where we have a combination of, um, in some states, the easing of health restrictions, the imposition of health restrictions in others. We still have international travel restrictions. Um, and, uh, you know, the, we all have a very um, perhaps slower than expected uptake of the vaccine. So, um, so these arrangements need to be thought through. There needs to be some principles of equity um, applied to them and also regard to to instruments such as modern awards or enterprise agreements. I've probably covered a bit of this, but you know, just in, in general, when an employer wants to maintain a hybrid model of working, what should they consider? Yeah, so um, our take on this, Tony, is that um, whilst this may occur organically, you might have employees who voluntarily return to the office because that's where they prefer to be and those are in the office at home because that's where they prefer to be. Um, it is important for employers to plan and make some deliberate decisions about hybrid working. Um, and one of them is to, if you are, you know, trying to foster collaboration or innovation or even just, you know, see greater mental health through greater interaction face-to-face, -face, provided it is safe to do so, looking at um, the sorts of jobs that, um, that may be location-dependent or perhaps tasks that could be performed um, where they may be better performed at a particular location, such as the office for face-to-face -face meetings. 
Um, it doesn't necessarily suit everyone, but it's something that employers should be working through, particularly at a you know at a team level. And, and team managers, I think, have a role to play in this sort of planning. Um, but looking at things such as if you're a business who's wanting more people to return to the office, how do you make the work your office potentially more attractive than the like people Google, working we could have free food and coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And, and you know, because we, we've heard stories of people returning to the office. and Pool tables. Yeah, yeah, pool tables, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so some um, space for interaction. Yeah. Returning to the office and no one's there. Well, they're, they're still running meetings online and sort of there's that sense of deflation of, well, why did I come in? Yeah, Sorry. We, we newspapers <laughs> from March 20. 20 sitting in the in the lunchroom. Yeah. In dust. That's yeah. right. So make so it more attractive. Make it more attractive. Um, but obviously considering employee preferences, particularly along work health and safety lines and caring responsibilities, there are some legal obligations around employer um, uh, approaches there anyway. Um, and equity inclusion is a big factor as well. So as I mentioned before, um, ensuring there's some equity in, in how you treat employees who are working at different places. Okay, and work health and safety, the big one. Absolutely, work health and safety, yes. So if you're a business who's looking at return to work arrangements, then um, you know, social distancing, hygiene measures, um, mask wearing, if that's a requirement, knowing your public health orders and restrictions is, is important and the Safe Work Australia website's really, really useful for that. That was my final question. Where, where should be, you be directing people for some more information, including AI Group's website? Yes, so um, the Safe Work Australia website, the Fair Work Ombudsman website has some useful material about um, steps you can take um, to manage a return to work process, but also what happens if what you want as an employer differs to what an employee wants, um, what steps um, you might want to consider there and, and how would that inform your approach. Fantastic. Look, thanks so much, Nicola Street, AR Group's National Manager Workplace Relations Policy. We've been discussing COVID-19 recovery and strategies for working under the current workplace laws. And that's all for now. Thanks, Nicola. See you next time. Thanks, Tony. Thank you.